Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome back to Gadget Reason Radio, the best place to get your daily tech and gadget news, as well as stories and insights that real consumers can use. And I hope everybody had a great weekend. I'm happy to be back bringing you guys some really good breaking news stories in the tech world. So let's go ahead and jump in with today's tech download for August 14th, 2017. I'm sure you guys are just as sick of iPhone 8 rumors, leaks, and so-called news as I am, but unfortunately, it doesn't look like we're gonna see an end to these anytime soon. There were quite a few stories that came out over the weekend about the iPhone 8 and its apparent cost. Most notable was a social media post from Foxconn's vice president who posted that the iPhone 8 will not be cheap as yields of the OLED display are pretty low. Apparently the iPhone 8's unique shape for the AMOLED screen is causing major issues with the yield rates all the way down to about 40% failure rates, which is pretty bad. So that's going to obviously cause some serious shortages in inventory. There were also numerous leaks of photos that were supposed to be representative of the new color for the iPhone 8, which is a copper or what is being called as a blush gold color, depending on how you interpret the translation. But either way, it's a very unique looking color. It's not exactly the copper I was hoping for when I had first heard about the copper color. So when you combine this with all the other rumors or things that we have confirmed about the new iPhone, uh, I have some major concerns. So, you know, I think that the, the iPhone design is looking pretty dated in terms of the shape being exactly what we've come to expect with the iPhone 6 and the iPhone 7. I was really hoping for something with tapered edges or something that was more reminiscent of, you know, some of the other smartphones that have come out with these really fantastic designs. And Apple's starting to fall behind just a little bit, I think. Maybe it's just the fact that I've been using the OnePlus 5 for the past few days really has skewed my opinion of what a great design or a modern design for a smartphone should or could be. But as always, I'd love to know what you guys think of the new iPhone 8 design and its rumored new copper gold color. So you know the drill by now, leave me a comment here on Anchor or give me a call in, or you can go old school and just track me down on all social media platforms at Gadget Reason and leave your comments there. Let me know. Sticking with the Apple news for just a second, the iPad is continuing to sell phenomenally through the month of June. We already knew thanks to Apple's most recent earnings call that the Apple iPad sales were up 15% year over year. And this latest report of the June iPad sales just seems to confirm what we already knew. Apple is back on top of the tablet market once again with 11.4 million units, which equates to about 30% market share. This time last year, iPad sales were slipping down to about 10 million units, which was about 25.4% of the market. A couple of months ago, Marquez Brownlee, who most of you know as MKBHD on YouTube, one of the best and most respected tech YouTubers on the planet, he did a video titled, Are Tablets Dead? And he basically said that yes, if it's a tablet other than the iPad, it's pretty much dead. And he went into some detail talking about the specifics behind, you know, what was going on with the tablet market and why iPad was dominating, for the most part, what was remaining of the tablet market. And so I've been pretty much in agreement with that statement for a long time now, which is the fact that the Android tablet market never really quite caught on. Google and Android never really did a good enough job of creating a true market for uh, tablet-specific apps for Android. Whereas with the iPad, you have apps that vary pretty drastically from their iPhone counterpart. So uh, a lot more user interface tweaks and specific design implements that are made for the larger screen real estate. So that along with obvious things like build quality and performance are the main reasons why the iPad has continued to be sort of the only real true viable option for anybody looking for a really good tablet. 
So my question for you guys is, are you still using an iPad? And if so, do you plan on upgrading to one of the new models that came out this year? As always, you know where to find me, let me know. Android fans excited to get their hands on Google's latest release of its smartphone operating system should have reason to be excited. Evan Blass, known for his Android leaks, is reporting that the next version of Android's operating system will be released the week of August 21st, and it's widely accepted that this will be called Android Oreo. Google has a long-standing tradition of naming the latest version of Android operating system after a famous dessert, and this year, attendees of Google's I.O. event reported that there were numerous hints that the latest version would be called Oreo. This would obviously not be the first time that Google had partnered with a major brand in the naming of its latest version of Android. It wasn't too long ago in 2013 that Google partnered with KitKat for the naming of Android 4.4. And when Google unveiled the latest Android statue for the Google lawn, it was of course a KitKat shaped version of the Android robot. This was obviously a great marketing opportunity for both companies. And you can easily imagine how two halves of an Oreo could be overlaid to create an eight, which just so happens to be the number of the latest version of Android. So what do you guys think? Are you looking forward to the latest version of Android and do you expect it to be called Oreo? Let me know. About two weeks ago when it was being reported that HBO had been hacked and hackers had made off with about 1.5 terabytes of its proprietary data, it had been rumored that HBO was considering paying what was basically a $250,000 ransom. However, there now seem to be some doubts about the authenticity of that report. It now seems as though HBO is unwilling to pay any money to prevent further information from the hacks being leaked online. It now seems as though episodes of Ballers, Insecure, and the yet unreleased comedy series Barry were all included in some of the data that was obtained by the hack. Also reported to be in the leak were episodes for the currently unreleased and upcoming season of Curb Your Enthusiasm. Unfortunately, I see hacks like this becoming more popular, especially if the individual content producers as well as the individual networks continue to be persistent in the idea that they're going to break off and create their own subscription streaming service networks that you have to subscribe to individually. After the announcement from Disney that they would be breaking off from Netflix to create their own streaming network subscription, there's been a lot of articles written and a lot of discussion about how this is going to impact us as consumers. I think someone should remind all the networks that this has already been tried before in the audio recording industry when Napster collapsed and the audio recording industry thought they would be able to get everybody to subscribe to individual album labels. And this is just not going to work. At the end of the day, this isn't just a matter of consumers putting their foot down and not wanting to pay for TV this way. It's just a matter of cost. Imagine this scenario for a second. Three years from now, let's say you watch seven different shows on six different networks. Now imagine for a second that each of those networks was only available through its own individualized subscription service for streaming television. And let's just say for the sake of argument that each of those is eight to $12 a month. Are you really going to pay $60 a month or $70 a month, whatever it might be, to watch six or seven shows? The answer is probably no. You're probably going to choose between which one or two shows you really can't live without or which one or two sports networks you can't live without, and you're probably going to dump everything else. Now, this is going to leave content providers scrambling to try and find reasons to be the one or two networks you decide to keep and actually pay for. It's also going to contribute greatly to piracy, as people who might normally not have resulted to that type of content consumption are now resorting to any means necessary to avoid having to pay exorbitant fees to each of the individual networks. 
I just think this is a train wreck in the making. They all need to just realize that their greed and the way that things have been for the past 30 to 50 years is coming to an end and they just need to accept it and get on board with how consumers now are willing to and want to pay for television. So I've talked about this a lot before and I'd love to get more thoughts from any of you on whether or not you'd be willing to pay for TV in this particular fashion where you're paying for each individual subscription to each individual network or if you think this is ridiculous. And I think it's time that we all start speaking up because I think this is really the path that the networks and all of the cable companies are trying to go. Let me know your thoughts. Last week, Microsoft and the Surface Pro line took a little bit of a beating in terms of its reputation for reliability when Consumer Reports reported that it had surveyed 90,000 laptop and tablet owners and found that roughly 25% of Surface users have encountered some type of issues by the end of the second year of ownership. Microsoft, of course, vehemently denied all of these allegations and said that they did not agree with the report from Consumer Reports. However, it does seem that an internal leaked Microsoft document is not in a line with that statement. Whoops. It seems as though an internal document from Microsoft showed that Surface Book had hit a 17% return rate during its launch period and remained above 10% for six months. Also, the Surface Pro return rates also reached around 16% during launch, but dropped below 10% after just over one month. Conversely, Surface Pro 3 launched with 11% return rates and quickly dropped below 10% and have remained roughly 5 or 6% throughout its lifetime. However, the Surface Book has suffered from consistently higher return rates than any other Surface product throughout nearly the two years that it's been on sale. The article in question via The Verge does claim that Microsoft believes it has fixed all the issues and that the return rates have decreased over the past 12 months. And if that's accurate, we can probably assume that the next annual survey from Consumer Reports should reflect that. But until then, it looks like Microsoft has a pretty long road ahead trying to convince consumers that their products will be reliable and that they are worth paying that extra premium price that comes along with the Surface name. So are you guys still interested in purchasing any Surface products from Microsoft? Let me know. And that's going to do it for another tech download on this fine Monday afternoon. Hope you guys enjoyed the content. If you have any questions or comments, or if you'd like to leave any feedback at all, you can go ahead and leave them here in the comment section if you're listening via the Anchor app. Otherwise, you can also find me on social media at Gadget Reason. Thanks again to everybody who's favorited the station and continuing to tune in. It means a lot. If you guys don't mind following me on social media, that would be a great help to me as well. And I will talk to you guys tomorrow with the next tech download.